I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to Chase Thomas Podcast. Taping this on a Thursday morning here, uh, hours away, about 12 hours away from the Tennessee Volunteers uh, kicking off with, why am I saying kicking off like it's football season, tipping off uh, with the uh, Florida Atlantic Owls, who we do not like at all. Well, it's a war now. It's a war of uh, what's actually good basketball, uh, capital A there, and uh, it's been a it's been a weird week. The discourse, let me tell you, folks, it's not been great uh, in terms of what's been uh, coming up with uh, Tennessee and FAU. When the real story needs to be Euros Plavsic uh, shooting from deep when no one's on him, because that <laughs> that is what the the kind of content that I've been looking for on my Tennessee basketball field. Uh, Will, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good. It's a beautiful Thursday. Mm. It rained all night. Power Did it? went out here actually, like at a, but it wasn't weather related. Like somebody uh, hit a light pole with their car, so like down the street, which is never ideal. But no, uh, I think they're fine though. Uh, I guess we'll find out. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's between them and God. Um, no, pretty good. I so it's really interesting to bring up this term as a whole because for a tournament where a 16 and a 15 seed won, um, mm. I would argue we didn't really see either of the we definitely didn't see the 16 seed doing it. But when we were looking at 15 over twos, we actually singled out Vermont and not Princeton. I thought you know Arizona was just going to be too athletic, but for all of that, and it, we're not going to like lie to you and say there haven't been upsets, but. First year in a minute where there's only one double-digit seed in the Sweet 16. You know, obviously half the one and twos are gone, but, you know, like Houston's region is more or less gone according to plan, minus, mm. you know, Miami beating Indiana. Um, UConn's has more or less going to plan, minus a Kansas team that I think was just kind of wounded in general, uh, going down to, I mean, a preseason top 10 team in Arkansas. Mm. So it, it's a weird mix of... Yes, we've had some upsets, but as John Gassaway pointed out, the average seed of the Sweet 16 is bang on for the historical average of like the last 35 tournaments. Hmm. So it's a it's a weird deal of like you got a couple of all time stunners, but at the same time, it's been about like your average tournament from your lifetime. Yeah, um, and I feel it, like it, it has not been quite as upset filled as I personally anticipated. Do you think we're still on a crash course for the just the two best teams all year long, Bama and Houston, being in the no. final two? I don't either. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's surprises still to come. There could be surprises in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. I mean, I won't, I won't be shocked if they come. But 
I feel good about my pre like pre tournament UConn's winning the the national title tick. I still feel okay. pretty good about that. I, I was trying to remember who I just remember Miami, UConn, mm-hmm. Alabama, and I do not remember the lower left. Was it Kentucky? Uh, Kentucky. Yeah, okay. Kentucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody bites the dust eventually. Some of us mm-hmm. picked Arizona, so I think you're fine. Oof. Well, speaking of that region, uh, Will Warren, our team is in that particular region, and the Tennessee Volunteers, uh, like we mentioned at the top of the show, play FAU uh, this evening. How do you think ultimately FAU will fare against Tennessee, and do you do you like this uh, for Tennessee? Really interesting matchup on both ends, right? So, so on one hand, you can argue FAU plays a little similarly to like a Missouri or a Vanderbilt. It's probably more of a Vanderbilt because, I mean, Missouri, for you know all their defensive flaws that we pointed out for five straight months, um, they actually had like a burly, you know, big forward in Kobe Brown that could mm-hmm. kind of do their thing. FAU's power forward is six foot four. Um, a little different from anything we've really seen in the SEC this mm-hmm. entire season. So that will be, you know, an interesting matchup in that regard. But then you flip that around, FAU really has not played uh, anybody who runs the amount of off-ball screens and basket cuts Tennessee does. I mean, it is, you watch Santiago Vescu out there, and it really is a constant war of sticking to his side. It's hard. Mm. Like, you, I mean, the guy's motor just doesn't stop. He doesn't lose stamina. He's just eternally, you've know, got a full battery. And I, I think, you know, FAU being shorter and a little more athletic could help them in that regard for a while. But they really, when I looked into it, they really have not faced anyone like this minus Jelly Walker from UAB, Hmm. uh, which is obviously an entirely different style of player. But Jelly Walker flew off screens about as much as Vescovy did. But that's just one guy. That's not, you know, Josiah Jordan James. It's not Tyreek Key. Hmm. That's not, you know, half the freaking team. Um, and, And a guy who actually poses, once again, a serious you know, bucket problem type of threat here is Olivier Kamwa because Mm. there is not a natural matchup height, weight, girth, athleticism-wise on FAU's roster except for their backup center, Giancarlo Rosado. Mm -hmm. And they try to not play him more than 15 a night because he's the worst defender on the rotation. (laughs) So it's a game where Kamwa is going to have a huge size advantage over pretty much everybody he plays against at the four and potentially the five too. I I mean, he's faster than Vladislav Golden, the uh, Russian center. Mm. Uh, I think it's a, it's a weird deal where for once I actually feel quite good about a matchup for Tennessee's offense Mm. uh, because even if Tennessee misses shots, they've got a massive height advantage on the boards I would be very surprised if they did not win the offensive rebounding battle in this game. Um, they usually win it though because look, Tennessee's big, and also Tennessee misses a lot of shots. But even <laughs> but just like a percentage of rebounds, mm. they they get more than the opponents. I mean, they've won the offensive rebounding percentage battle in thirty one of thirty five games, which is mm. impressive. So I I think they've got they just have a lot of things that protect them from upset minded foes like FAU. Um, I think they're going to have a good shot to win this one. I've got it at 68-61 in the preview, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes higher than that. I'm a little nervous that everyone thinks Tennessee's winning this. Like this is See, now. I don't, I don't think everyone thinks Tennessee's winning it, though. I think you, every, you ten, maybe every Tennessee media. fan feels good about it. 
well, yeah, Tennessee fan feels good about it, but that's because they know the team. I mean, yeah. you look at the national media and half the people are picking FAU, which is are fine. They? You're allowed to pick whoever you want to pick. I don't care. Mm. But I mean, my my read of the game is that it is not an ideal matchup for Florida Atlantic. Like I, mm. I genuinely think they would have rather played a Purdue than a Tennessee in this mm. regard because Purdue turns it over a lot more and doesn't possess the same high-quality defense that Tennessee does. Mm-hmm. Who does Tennessee want if they get through this? Who do they want to win Michigan State and uh, Kansas State? I think they match up better with Kansas State, to be honest. Hmm. Um, there, There's an argument for either, of course, but Kansas State's shot volume is pretty low. Michigan State's is as well, but uh, Kansas State lot of offensive turnovers, 285th in the nation in offensive turnover percentage, which is a problem when you're playing Tennessee's defense if you're you know not aware. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, I mean, they've got some bucket getters. Obviously, Noel is amazing. Keontae Johnson has had quite the impressive year. And you could see a game where, like, Naquan Tomlin uh, gives Tennessee's front court some issues. Mm-hmm. But I, I like that matchup on paper for Tennessee more than I do Michigan State for two reasons. Um, one, MSU can shoot threes really well, even if they don't take them very often. Mm. And all they have to do is up that attempt rate. Two, Tom Izzo. I do not think I would be alone in declaring that I would rather face off against Jerome Tang, who is good, than I would Tom Izzo in the Elite Eight with a Final Four bet on the line. I, I don't think it's any slight to Jerome Tang to say that. I think I want Kansas State too, where it's just Michigan State's just that one's absolutely going down to the last possession. They play the same, and Michigan State's a better three point shooting team. Like that scares me more. Both that's this is the tournament of um, like you know a neutral fan's nightmare, Mm -hmm. where it's like they can't hit threes, they're grabbing and elbowing or whatever Jay Billis and Pat Forty are saying these days. Um, They're you know it's. It's the tournament of a San Diego State or a Houston or a Tennessee, mm-hmm. even a Creighton. Creighton does not play the most beautiful basketball anymore. They're defense first now. Mm. So that's why I feel like MSU is about to win. But I, I do think KSU is, on, on paper, the less bad matchup for Tennessee. I like. Did you see what Mark Few said about the basketball? Yeah, well, it's very... I mean. It, that it was slick and overinflated. Yeah, and that they're new and like we shouldn't be using new. Like I, I like that. It's a little thing. Speaking of, we're not doing the Spalding Bolt tonight, right? That's no, not happening. It's Wilson Evo in XT, okay. I guess next, whatever for mm-hmm. the rest of the tournament. But I, I all I can add here. So I did a you know I wrote about why the three point percentage is down at the Substack, and mm. there's a lot of different ways to explore it. I think it's very hard to explore the ball's impact unless you isolate other performances with the ball throughout the season. Because like there are some teams that used it or some conference tournaments that used it. And I, not even joking here, the only way to verify it is to go to Getty Images and just Google the team's name and see mm. if the ball pops up or not. It's incredibly hard to verify. So, But I mean, I think if coaches are saying it, Miller Cop in Indiana came out and said it. Um then I, I and all I can add is just like a personal anecdote. I went to the Tennessee women's round of 32 game on Monday night. Um, Tennessee shot very well, and Toledo kind of got got it figured out at some point. But the way the ball bounced off the rim, 
and these are the same. It's the Wilson Evo NXT balls, but the women's size mm. felt very overinflated. They were clanging around on TBA's generally pretty soft rims. Mm. So I I think there could be something to it. It's I'm not sure why that would be. I don't. I mean, officials are officials. You would think they know how to inflate a basketball. It could be a Wilson problem where they've given the wrong instructions or their studies showed the wrong thing on like the optimal inflation for the ball and whatnot. So I, I don't know. I think the ball discourse is interesting to me because everybody wants the same thing, which is a universal ball, but everybody knows we're not going to get the same thing for one simple reason, which is money. Mm. There's too much money in the Nike Elite balls, Under Armour, Adidas, whatnot. Hmm. Um, your new final four predictions based on how everything unfolded last weekend will is what the beautiful thing is I only have to change one of these. Ooh. Uh, so I, well, you have the have, opportunity by the way, you can, if you, based on what you've seen to change some of these, I'm not pulling the Andy Katz crap. Come on. Okay. Uh, yeah. Rankin friggin' FAU 16. Get out of here. Anyway. Um, final four predictions. So I'm just going to go, I'm going clockwise in my head. So mm. South region, uh, and I'm going to pick each matchup, too, to really put the onus on myself here. Mm-hmm. I've got San Diego State over Alabama. Um, oh, wow. I, every time I've looked at that matchup, one, I, the, so the point spread is eight and a half in favor of Alabama, and I just think that's way too high. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was shocked when I saw that come out. I mean, it feels more like a one to two possession game to me. Hmm. Um, but San Diego State, if they can slow that game down, it profiles almost as a dead ringer for the Alabama-Tennessee game from February, hmm. where if if San Diego State's doing their thing where they're forcing a lot of turnovers, Arop is, I mean, he is just an elite, elite on-ball defender and a perfect matchup for Brandon Miller. They really could pull that off. I obviously have Creighton over Princeton. Hmm. I think as of now, I don't love this pick, but I would probably take Creighton out of the South. Yeah, same uh, here, actually. They would be the first six seed since 1994 Michigan to do it, which is huh. insane. I think it was Michigan. I'll have to look that up. But either way, first six seed in thirty almost 30 years. So that goes to the Midwest. I've still got Houston over Texas. No change there. I, yeah. I could see Xavier beating Texas. It wouldn't shock me. Xavier's got the spacing to take him down. Yeah. But, it, I mean, in as much as a two seed can have sort of a team of destiny vibe, Texas has an elite vibe in terms of getting Rodney Terry the full-time job. It seems mm-hmm. like they really, really want that, even if the administration doesn't. Um, bottom right quadrant is the West. Mm-hmm. This is a really tough region, man. Um, I originally had UConn. I'm tempted to stick with Join it. me. I could see Arkansas-UConn going either way. Hmm. But I think at the end of the day, I'd probably pick Gonzaga out of this region now. Hmm. Um, I don't really like it. I don't think it's a great pick, but I'm not sure any of them are great picks. UConn is probably the best one, truly, or UCLA. But it's a wild region where I'm looking at Ken Palm right now. Do you want to guess how many top seven Ken Palm teams are in the uh, the West that are still alive? Wait, which the West? The Midwest? Yeah, the West region alone. The West region alone. Who's in the West now? I don't remember based on which. UCLA, UConn, Gonzaga, Arkansas. Oh, in the top what? Of top Kenpon? seven. Oh, one. Three. Three? Three of the seven best teams remaining are in one region. Who are the three? 
UCLA, UConn, yeah. Gonzaga. Arkansas is 18th because they had the midseason yeah. swoon. Did they get up to... Oh, I didn't realize UConn was that high. Okay. Yeah, UConn, UConn is fourth. Like, okay. Huh. So, um, I mean, that is... Whoever comes out of that region, I have a bad feeling about winning a Final Four game because they're going to be so exhausted from going through one of the... Like, honestly, one of the toughest regions I've ever seen in yeah. a tournament. Um, if that, I mean, if they win a Final Four game, credit to them. But I, I'm tempted well, to go. Well, you of that group is the the most balanced. 14 defense, third offense. Like yeah. they're the most balanced of everyone in that. They're, top they're group. the most balanced. Mm-hmm. Now, if I were picking on my personal philosophy, which is that Brexit ball wins this March, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it would be Arkansas. But I I cannot stomach the thought, so I am going against it. Mm-hmm. Really, it would probably be UCLA. But mm. I don't know. I won't be surprised by anything. And then. Tennessee's region. I got Tennessee over FAU, MSU over Kansas State. I, it's. I think I have to go Tennessee to the Final Four. As upset as it makes my stomach to put that on the record, because are you going it feels if they make like it? it, huh? Are you going if they make it? Yeah, I, I was going to Houston regardless. Oh, for, I didn't know you were actually going to the game, but you're go like you're planning on like attending and everything. I I will probably I mean I don't know if I'll go to the game. Mm. Watching in a football stadium is miserable. There there's yeah, no good I forgot they do. Oh, okay. why did they? That's got to stop. It's money. just n- money. Simple answer. The answer to everything that's wrong with the NCAA is one word. <laughs> or just sports in general. The world, yeah. money. Yeah. But I I do understand the um the problem taking rick barnes to beat tom Izzo. Mm-hmm. but then you would have said well what's you're taking a big swing by taking tennessee over duke when they were the better team all year as we stated mm. so i mean tennessee's the best team in that region eventually the best teams just got to do it right maybe maybe let's hope so man <laughs> we'll, we'll find be... out <laughs> um yeah i've still got houston winning it all uh the way Whew. I would actually say it kind of locked it in for me. The way they performed in that second half against Auburn was the single most impressive thing anybody's done hmm. uh, in this tournament so far, minus Princeton going to the Sweet 16. Because that was a game where, you know, Houston's in foul trouble, Sasser's not 100%, Shed's not 100%, and Traymond Mark said, F it, get out of my way, we're going to the Sweet 16. Hmm. And the way they just physically demolished, I mean, you watch Tennessee play Auburn. Auburn can handle physicality mm. like real well. Houston demolished them up mm. and down the court with their physicality. I mean, if they can do that to, and I understand Auburn's very flawed. If you can do that to Auburn, I got no doubt you're doing that to the rest of your region. And if it goes as projected and it's a six versus a four seed on the other half of the bracket, I feel like you're probably going to be fine in the title game. The most interesting game, Sweet 16 game, is which one? Sorry, that was a big gulp of coffee. No, you're good. Um, I, oh man. A couple of tempting ones today. So first off, obviously, Michigan State-Kansas State is the closest projected game. Mm. Um, and I think this would interest me because it's kind of, it would actually be, you know, destroying or not destroying, but, you know, working against a couple of pre-tournament narratives I had, which is, you know, like one, MSU didn't even enter this tournament in the Ken Palm top 30. They were 31st. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I we were kind of fading them most of the year. And once again, it's just Izzo in March. Here he is. He's doing his thing. The other is that 
first year tournament coaches generally don't do very well in the tournament. Mm. I mean, we've <laughs> we've seen that play out a lot over the last few years. I mean, poor Tommy Lloyd. We saw it last year with Arizona when a lot of people had him winning the title. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be interesting to see what wins out. Is it, you know, a team that we had all sort of left for dead around February, or is it a team with a first-year head coach that gets through? A lot of interesting things about that, as well as Tyson Walker versus um, Marquise Noel. I love that matchup. Also, obviously, I mean, all the games stay are quite nice, but obviously very interested in Gonzaga-UCLA as the nightcap. Two top seven teams. We got to find out eventually what UCLA is going to do without Jalen Clark. I don't, Hmm. I mean, like, yeah, you could argue Northwestern was a decent test, but it's not like offensively Northwestern is going to test UCLA's defensive bona fides. I mean, Northwestern doesn't play offense. We discussed that a lot. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious to see how they hold up against the very best offensive college hoops. Um, Tomorrow, most interesting game for me, easily San Diego State, Alabama. Not only is it one where we've talked about, like I truly do think San Diego State is capable of winning that game, polar opposite styles. Hmm. Alabama wants to play as fast as possible. They want to get up and run down the court. If they play this game in like the 70s or the 80s, I think Alabama wins. If San Diego State is able to shut down transition opportunities, and they were the very best team in college basketball this year in terms of percentage of transition opportunities allowed, they they do not allow you to get out into a primary break at all off of rebounds. It's impressive. Um, if they can do that and control the pace and force Alabama into a you know, half-court, late-clock scenarios, that's going to get really interesting really quick because, I mean, to be honest, I like Alabama's offense. I really don't love Alabama's offense when they're forced to play half-court. The the defense has been the more impressive unit the entire season. So mm. I, I really, really am fascinated to see what occurs in that game. I like it. Um, the most surprising team to make it to this point is who of the 16? <laughs> have, have you heard of a little team called Princeton? Um, <laughs> well, but so I think you can make that argument where it's like, yeah, Princeton, shocking a two seed is always massive. Mm-hmm. I mean, the two seeds this year, not the two seeds the season's past. We've discussed that a bunch, but... Still really cool to beat a team where you had a 13% chance pregame of doing so. Mm. Um, they had a 3% chance of making the Sweet 16 per Ken Palm, uh, though they got to play a you know weaker <laughs> weaker Missouri team uh, as a 7 seed than most 15 seeds have previously. I, I think the, the bigger surprise for me personally, when I scan the odds, really, and I, it's weird to say this about a 5 seed, I am a little surprised Miami's here. Hmm. Um, and I, I mean, they got lucky, like Drake really should have not given up a 16 to one run to end that game. They were the better team the entire night, uh, but they choked, mm-hmm. hate to say it. Um, and, but then, you know, to get through that where you really played like garbage, but you survived and that's the only thing you have to do in March and then to go out and kick, like demolish Indiana for basically 30 minutes out of 40, minus mm-hmm. a couple of Indiana spurts, crazy impressive to me. I I think there might have been something, and people were sort of insinuating this online, you, could, you can only tell so much from tweets, that mm-hmm. Miami maybe didn't sandbag this season, but they clearly did not approach it with the intensity they've been a, a, you know approaching with in March. Mm-hmm. They kind of knew what type of team they had. They knew they were good enough to just get in, 
and take advantage of a weak ACC. And once they got to March, they have flipped the switch. They are dangerous, crazy good from three. Love watching Isaiah Wong. Love watching Nigel Pack. Booga Poplar has also been really fun to watch lately, um, Mm. stepping up in a cool way. So Miami has really surprised me in a positive manner. Uh, Jim Laranega, just one of the best coaches out there. You just keep uh, betting against them. You gave me some flack, Will, on Miami making an attorney run. I had them in the. I had them making it to at least. Did I have them in the final four? Yeah, I, I honestly yeah. have not looked at my bracket since. I was going to say, I think I had so. them in UConn playing. Yeah, I had Miami winning that region. Yeah, I had Miami okay. in the Final Four. Well, unfortunately for you, Houston will be uh, mm. smiting them for their sins today, but or tomorrow, whenever that game is. I think but, it's tomorrow, um, right? I think it's tomorrow. But either yeah. way, no, I'm. I think they've had a really impressive run. Something I think they can, you know, like obviously be very proud of doing. For sure um more impressive the three big east teams still alive or the three sec teams still alive who's had the more impressive run for a conference you kind of gotta go um i think you kind of gotta go sec because the path was a little tougher i think Um, that's what norlander and paris said on their show this week they both went sec i think well big east then i'm kidding i love norlander (laughs) I, I do. I'm not yeah, going to asked this question this week, and I thought it was interesting because I was like, oh, I wonder what Will thinks. I'm not going to spoil it here. Yeah. I have a Matt Norlander tweet about Tennessee from January bookmarked. Ooh. Um, ready to bump if a okay. certain thing happens. But I will not go into that because I really like the guy. He's okay. a good dude. Um, but are you still bumping the tweet if it happens? Oh, of course. With okay. an apology after. <laughs> um, so, obviously, I think Alabama making the Sweet 16, no surprise there. Nothing unusual about that. You could almost even say the same thing about one of, but not both, UConn or Xavier. Like, mm. Xavier, I mean, we talked about it last Thursday. Xavier had the easiest path to a Sweet 16 I've ever seen for a three seed on paper. Mm. Um, and they just, they did their darndest to blow it, but uh, they did survive. They got there. But I thought it was really impressive from both sides. One, Creighton uh, not only beating a pretty strong 11 in NC State, but then just whooping Baylor. Baylor's mm. defense sucked all year, but it wasn't like this Creighton offense ran like a beautiful machine all season, and they just cranked it up at the right time. They were tremendous. And the way UConn dispensed to St. Mary's was quite impressive, too. Uh, SMC, very good team all season long, and they just they weren't up to the challenge. Obviously, Duke is getting hurt really damaged their odds. But I, I still got to give the slight edge to the SEC here because, one, you had an 8-seed beat a 1, and I mean, we talked a lot about Kansas being a very weak one, but it's not like Arkansas was this team of beauty for the whole season. They struggled mm-hmm. immensely from January to February, and they seem to be playing their best basketball at the right time. There's, you know, that's a funny thing to say, and we've talked about February being deeply unimportant as a month, but they, uh, whatever it is, I think Musselman really just is a great, great March coach. He's got it mm-hmm. figured out. He is tremendous on short prep. Uh, it doesn't, I don't love saying it because, I mean, I still find his Twitter quite annoying, but he is an elite coach. Doesn't need and, a shirt. Huh? Doesn't need a shirt. Doesn't need a shirt. Uh, mm. That really rubs some people the wrong way, which I found funny. It's mm. just, I mean, whatever. He shows emotion. It's fine. It's not yeah. a big deal. I would be, it would be weird. It was far weirder to me when Jay Wright saw Chris Jenkins hit that uh, game winner for the title. And it was just like, okay, let's go shake hands. Mm. It's like, brother, you just won a ring. 
get excited. Take whip that jacket off, Jay. Um, can you imagine anything more alarming than Rick Barnes just absolutely losing it for a final? Don't want to see. Don't want to see Rick Barnes shirtless. Too old. Mm-hmm. Love the guy. Don't want to see him shirtless. I mean, just like any kind of crazy emotion, though, like after a win, like just Rick Barnes losing it. I don't know. I just cannot. I I did. I was watching. I don't want him to Ron Hunter it, so I want him to be (laughs) careful. (laughs) Yeah, quick quick, uh, diversion here. I was watching a a college basketball buzzer beaters compilation the other day, and they had Mm -hmm. some from like Big 12 play in the 2000s. And uh, one really poor, uh, unfortunately for Rick, a lot of them went against Texas. But. he was always, it was like, no matter if the ones went for him or against him, he was always just like very peaceful. Mm-hmm. Just like went and shook hands and walked off. And so I guess that's his thing, but. For sure. Um, I'm going to run through these real quick and you can yeah. give me a take here. Your favorite hire of this group and your least favorite. Damon Stoudemire to Georgia Tech. Will Wade to McNeese State. Chris Beard to Ole Miss. Rick Patino to St. John's. Ed Cooley to Georgetown. And Micah Shrewsbury to Notre Dame. Um, who do you like the most of these hires, and which one are you though? And also, let me throw Kim English in there to Providence. Yeah, uh, obviously Kim, personal friend, favorite yeah, hire. There you go. Uh, uh, no, his last I, stop before taking over Tennessee in four years. That's true. Well, actually, if he's really going to follow the Rick Barnes path, he's got to go to Clemson first. But because uh, he seems but that's a lot of time. He can't do that. We can't wait seventeen years to following Rick's path. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I so I think the top one out of this group for me personally, Shrewsbury to Notre Dame is quite the quite the get. I mean, mm-hmm. so Notre Dame had a really fascinating search this whole time. Where if you can remember dating back to when Bray resigned, retired, whatever it is, he well, he definitely didn't doing. retire because that man is coaching South Florida. Uh, no, next he, he backed out of the search. Oh, did he? Yeah, so he is not going to coach South. He he says he wants to do TV. But it seems he seems like a guy who's changing his mind day by day. So I don't know. Does Field of Sixty Eight have a TV deal? Uh, maybe mm-hmm. he can uh, talk on the. He's going to be in the new podcast mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Jeff Goodman and Dave Portnoy. Um, it's it's going to be really good, and um, they're going to teach Mike Bray how to tweet, mm-hmm. uh, but also how to get really mad when your tweet gets misinterpreted, mm-hmm. uh, and how everyone is the problem, not you. Um, definitely be online more yeah they want mike bray who is i i don't I'm, without googling 67 is my guess mm-hmm. um they want him to start tweeting which is always really good i mean like imagine if rick started tweeting that'd be strange yeah uh I, um anyway <laughs> the, the question was about the best hires mm-hmm. Mike shrewsbury is my favorite so notre dame had this weird search where when they first dropped it we initially said pat kelsey was going to be mm-hmm. the guy and then it was chris holtman and then for a split second there, it looked like Greg McDermott was a serious candidate. And then Michael Shrewsbury came back and said, no, this like this is good for me. So I it's a I mean, poor Penn State, man. They finally get Penn a coach State. after 20. But like just no offense to Chambers, but like they have been walking the wilderness for decades of Penn State basketball. And they but just we can phrase it as this. They finally got a good head coach who wasn't an a-hole. Mm-hmm. Um and have lost him after two years and it's it really is no fault to their own like i'm mm-hmm. sure they tried to pay up but penn state is just not a great job it's in a really tough conference we talked a lot about how notre dame was actually quite attractive in mm-hmm. syracuse for the same reason because the acc is really down right now uh you can win there quick mm-hmm. um 
elite, elite offensive coach. Loved everything he did at Penn State this season. Really turned that around fast. I'm very excited to see what he can do with the type of athletes Notre Dame has been able to recruit to in the past. Mm. And his his sort of weirdo system actually will work really well there because you have to be a little weird to win. Mm-hmm. If they can play better defense, they can go far. But I mean, at minimum, you could kind of just see him sustaining the Bray track where it's like they don't play defense really, but they're always amazing offensively. And that puts them in any game at the right time. And it'll just be more of a recruiting bump there. Yeah. But I'm excited because this instantly makes ACC basketball more watchable. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a problem it had this entire season when they possessed one watchable team the whole year in Miami. Mm-hmm. So, I, well, I, I think Louisville was watchable in a nasty way. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I really like that hire. Least favorite hire, obviously Chris Beard. Um, yeah. You just didn't have to do that. But in terms of, like, an on-court deal where I, it just doesn't match up to me, I I am a little surprised by Damon Stoudemire to Georgia Tech. Damon Stoudemire did quite a good job at Pacific. I was going to say, that's a great hire. When I saw that, I was like, how did Tech pull this? Like this, is, I mean, he's a great assistant with Boston, has helped Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum a lot. I mean, I think that's a slam dunk for it, it Tech. It could be. It's, it's all about regional fit to me. I think regional mm-hmm. fit for recruiting is as important as can you actually coach. We found that out with Jerry Stackhouse really quick. Like he can mm-hmm. really coach. He just can't recruit. Yeah. And in Atlanta, where you've really got to freaking compete with a lot of different schools to keep your guys at home, it's tough. Yeah. Which is why I thought they should have hired Amir Abdul Rahim from Kennesaw State. Yeah. I just thought that was the better regional fit. I definitely think Damon can work out just fine there because he's a very good coach. But you had a chance with Amir Abdul Rahim, who is from Atlanta, basically of Atlanta, was an assistant at Georgia, been an assistant in the SEC for five seasons. I I was a little surprised they opted not to go that direction. Yeah, but it's still, I guess you could look at it as a little bit new. Like, we'll see if it's sustainable, mm-hmm. what he's doing at Kennesaw. Um, obviously, rebuilding it from just the bare bottom of just wins yeah. and what he's got him to. It's, like, extremely impressive. But I understand, like, still just being like, we could... Damon, I, like you said, he has at least some head coaching track record at Pacific. And then he's um, been an, a great... Um, just mind and helper to Joe Missoula in Boston. Mm. And that's been, Jay King had a really good piece about how impactful of a loss that is in the lose in mid year. But I don't know. There's a lot of five-star talent in Atlanta and at Kell. Yeah. And like, I think Scoot Henderson is from uh, Cobb County. Like, and he's obviously the five-star G league kid. But like, I think this is like, if you're a tech fan, this is going to be fun. I will say Josh Pastner was uh, my favorite coaching interview I've ever done. So Josh <laughs> Pastner not being around. I hope he gets on somewhere else. I don't know where it is, but um, Josh Pastner is objectively hilarious and um, one like of the more personable dude. coaches. I, I would. So the other, the only other option I have here, which is probably the nicer one, uh, Will Wade to McNeese State doesn't make much sense to me. Mm. Um, it obviously makes sense when he coached in Louisiana for several years, but uh one they've already suspended him for the first six games of next season for Mm -hmm. the obvious uh two that rehabilitation tour took no time whatsoever Mm. uh we have it's not to get too deep into it it is really strange that we have not rehabilitated like book richardson Mm. sean miller's main assistant for uh doing sean miller's handiwork for him 
uh, like we're already letting Sean Miller coach Xavier into the Sweet 16 again while Book is like not in the game anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like we've let Will Wade just jump right back in. Despite... I think Book's coaching somewhere though in high school, right? Is he doing something in New York high school? I, I just looked. It doesn't seem like he's had a job since 2018. Okay. But maybe I, maybe I, who did I read? I don't give know. It, giving Frank William Wade the chance to do this again, I mean, like, could it work out just fine? Of course, he's an excellent X's and O's coach. We saw that at LSU, and a very good, you know, attractor of talent. That all being said, I um, maybe it's just me. I'm very uncomfortable letting Will Wade get a second chance this fast, mm-hmm. and it, it could just be a me problem. I'm willing to accept that. I um, I I don't know. I I don't love it. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. Um, final quick things before we do our stats of the week that have caught your eye, Will Warren. Um, your guy, Graham, Ek, is it? Ek, you got it. Yeah, I thought it was okay. So like Graham Ek in the portal, who we talked about, I think before the year, as someone to watch as like a mid-major uh, star. Um, out of Wyoming, he enters the portal, and then somebody who uh, caught a lot of people by surprise with Krissa entering the portal, Kirk Krissa from Arizona, uh, Pac-12 assist leader. Uh, two big names uh, for very different reasons, but um, who are you more excited about, and where would you like to see both end up? Um, oh, man, I've been waiting to answer the Krissa question since I saw it drop. Mm. I would love to see Graham A.K end up in the Pac-12. I think actually a conference switch for these two could be perfect, which is a weird thing to say, but mm. I think it's real. Put Graham E.K. in the Pac-12 on like a team with a future. I'm mm. not putting him on Stanford. It is so stupid. They brought back Jared Haas, by the way. You have Mark Madsen right there, brothers, from Utah mm. Valley. You could have done it. Mm. You could have done it, and you're just like, no, we don't like winning. We're sick of winning. We're so tired of winning. It's really interesting how you're tired of winning when you suck. Anyway, um, I think Creasa is objectively the better piece to get, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that's like hard. I mean, part of it is just like, you know, EK stats more impressive, but you'd rather, ha- in this age of college hoops, you'd rather have a point guard that can pass it well and could shoot it really well than you would a post-up big. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like post-up bigs can help you in March, but the rest of it, like EK is not a very good defender. Creasa isn't either. But... Um, I, I don't know. I, I think Crease is just sort of the better candidate on paper. But I would love to see EK in, like, Utah. Ooh. Utah plays a fascinating style of basketball with Craig Smith, who I love. Uh, would love to see him transfer there. I have not bothered to look once to see, like, who is contacted, you know, what the case may be. Um, and I, I jokingly did this in a reply to my man Jordan Majewski, or Majewski, I'm not really sure, yesterday. Uh, Kirk Crease you should go to Boise State, my man. Oh, wow. um, I don't think he will. I think he's obviously going to go to another big six school. But he should because, one, his style of play is beautiful. If you're a mid-major and you want to be the most hated team in your league, mm-hmm. go get Kirk Reese, brother. Get that NIL going. Mm-hmm. If, if he can do it, I'm honestly not. He's from Estonia, so I really am not sure of the legality of that. But... Mm-hmm. Um, Go get Kirk Kreese, bring him into your town, tell him, hey, do your whole thing, be the villain, and at the same time, you're going to be like a number one or number two option for us offensively. Uh, defensively, lucky for you, we play in the Mountain West. Time to hide you on a guy who shoots two <laughs> shots a game. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So uh, I don't know. I'm I'm very interested to see. Oh, so quickly, Graham Ike mm. has been contacted by half of America. Tennessee is on this list, by the way, and Arkansas, of course, because Arkansas wants every transfer ever. Um, but there's actually a really funny bit here. Mm. Graham Ike has been uh, contacted by Arizona. Ooh. <laughs> How about that swap? <laughs> but no, Kirk Carissa, my man, go to Boise State. Boise State, the one thing they needed all season, mm. a quality ball handling guard. For all of Kirk Carissa's faults as a defender and as you know, a hot and cold shooter, just a hot and cold personality in general, mm. that man can handle the ball really well. Very good passer, very good dribbler. There you go. I like it. Well, we'll end here. Your stat that have, has caught your eye this week. Well, so, I mean, we've only had so much to go on this tournament. Um, but we have had, you know, a couple of interesting, you know, like uh, appearances from a couple of teams. So I, I, I would like to ask you this. Mm. If you had to take a guess, who do you think has been the leading scorer so far, just round of 64, round of 32? in the uh, 2023 NCAA tournament. The leading score? Yeah. Um, man, I have no idea. I will give you a hint. It is on a team that both of us have in the final four at minimum. Or did at some point. Okay. It's not Brandon Miller. Um, it's not Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller's not played very well. Yeah. Um, is it a UConn big? It is Adama Sinogo from UConn. Yes, there you go. He has had an absolute flamethrower of a first yeah. two rounds. Let me read you these stats. Mm-hmm. So these are this is per game. Mm. 26 points per game for a total of 52. 10 and a half rebounds per game for a total of 21. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, has had three block shots. He is rebounding... 21% of missed shots by himself on the offensive boards. <laughs> he is rebounding 29% of misses on the defensive end. Hmm. Um, this man has been outrageous so far. And this is all the while. Do you want to guess his minutes per game? What? 26. I love that. <laughs> so he is scoring a point per minute while on the court. Hmm. Just insane. Number two. Uh, You're helping the, my argument that UConn's winning the national title. Well, I, I kind of am. Number two, our beloved fallen Mike Miles from TCU. He scored mm. 50 across two games. Mm. It, what what an awesome performance he had against Arizona State and Gonzaga. Mm. There you go. Will Warren. StatsbyWill.substack.com. Go subscribe today. Like all the posts. Just like them. Hit that heart uh, emoji that they've got there. Uh, increase the the Substack views. All that good stuff. Um, if you're you cranking hit out the, the content. heart emoji, actually, here's a ploy for people who are on the fence. Uh, mm. Could be about uh, about me as a person, but also about the Substack. Every time you hit the heart button, it sends me an email. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really, the thing I love most is when my phone buzzes 15 times while I'm in a work meeting. Mm-hmm. And then I look down and it's one guy has liked all my posts. Mm-hmm. If you like the idea of doing that, I think you actually should go and do it. I think I'm going to so do it'll that. It'll be pretty funny. Yeah. You can you can take the Substack challenge, hashtag Substack challenge. There you go. I, I love that. Type in your email. That easy. And like those posts because you never know when Will Warren's going to see them. It might be at an opportune time. It might not be. It might be when he's at Scream 6. It might uh, be when he's at a meeting. You never know. Uh, 
Stats by Will. Mr. Will Warren, thank you as always, my friend. Uh, Enjoy the games this weekend, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for having me on. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing. Mm-hmm. You're, um, pleasantness you're smart so i think i'm going to hear big things about you nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah